Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the game day, the Thursday, August the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Clowny Watch continues. I'll go over my film review piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll talk about the trades that make the most sense for both sides and the update that Clowney is prepared to go into the season without signing a franchise tender. Plus, we've got a game tonight. We'll give you the five things to look for from Dolphins vs. Saints, and we'll jump back into the Twitter mailbag. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Once voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. And you can find the show at LockedOnFins as well as our written content up on LockedOnDolphins.com, including the Jadavian Clowney film review piece and the five things to expect from the game tonight. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins I was looking for a sound drop from South Park when the Britney Spears episode was going on and they were having the constant Britney watch and I wanted to put Clowny watch into that, but I couldn't find it on YouTube, so we are out of luck on that. But we do start this episode once again with more Jadavian Clowny news as Mike Garofolo of NFL Media went on a live TV hit sometime Wednesday afternoon and mentioned that Jadavian Clowney, who right now is still between agents and still has yet to sign that franchise tender, therefore holds the cards in this entire saga and where he winds up going. Garofolo reports that Clowney that he's willing to go into the season without a new contract or without signing that franchise tender, meaning he'll sit games out and it'll cost him a million bucks per game if he does so. He knows that long-term deal is ultimately what gets things done for him. And that's where Miami really has the best chance to get a crack at Clowney because if they can guarantee that wink-wink deal for a new contract once the season's up, also giving him the idea that he's a good fit in this defensive scheme, which we'll touch on here in just a minute, but also kind of selling him on the Brian Flores and Chris Greer train and where this organization is going. That's really where Miami has to come in and woo Jadavian Clowney in that sense because he has said he doesn't want to go to Miami. He wants to go to Seattle or Philadelphia, so the Dolphins might get left at the altar here and if he doesn't want to be here then you don't want him to be here either but if he does and if they don't miss out on Clowney if they don't miss out on this guy this stands to be a fantastic opportunity for Miami to make a huge upgrade in a big area of need one of the four areas I discussed in my 2020 offseason preview piece from earlier this week And a quick reminder, those spots were quarterback, offensive line, secondary depth, and of course the edge rusher, which is where Clowney satisfies. And Clowney is a good edge rusher. I won't say he's a great edge rusher, and the data from Pro Football Focus certainly corroborates that. I do think he fails to win with pure arc bending and really a defined, nuanced plan as a rusher, but that's okay because that's not what he needs to be in this defense to be highly effective. We'll get into some of the scheme stuff here in just one second, but let's go ahead and look at some of the data points on Jadavian Clowney and how he compares to Trey Flowers, who we thought might be an option for Miami this past offseason. And really, the two players measure 
pretty much identically across the board. The height and the speed in the 40-yard dash are really the two main differences between the players. Clowney goes six foot five. He's 265, ridiculously large for a defensive end prospect. 34 and a half inch arms, 10-inch hands, 37 and a half inch vertical jump, and a 10-foot four broad jump. He can flat out go, get out of his stance, and win with power, speed, acceleration, all of that stuff. And the only thing he really didn't dominate in the combine app was the three-cone drill. He was kind of middle of the pack in that, and that's why I don't think he's a true arc-bending edge type of rusher. But he does compare favorably to Trey Flowers, who lines up all over the formation as an A-gap pressure look, a three technique in a nickel pass rush situation, off the edge for a seven technique. You basically can play him anywhere from the nine technique out wide all the way inside over the nose, quite frankly, or as a stand-up pass rusher in those situations, but more preferably a two-eye over the outside shoulder of the left or right guard, and then from there out. So he plays all over the place. He plays lots of snaps. I'm not sure why he's thought to be injury-prone right now. He played 902 snaps last year, 84.3% of Houston's overall workload. He played 895 the year before and 737 the year before that. He hasn't been below 73% of the Texans' defensive snaps the last three years. So he plays. He's only missed three games the last three years. So get that out of your head. He has these variety of fronts that he can really help the Dolphins excel in, and that's what Miami wants to do. The seven technique and the four three under, a five technique and the three three five, basically helping the defense set the edge in the run game. Also provide a great stunter or looper or twister in the pass rush games they want to throw at the opposition. He can force the tackle to both protect the inside post and the outside post. He can force the guard to chip him in pass protection. He just does so much both against the run and the passing game that he frees up everybody else on the defense to be more active and more one-on-one situations for everybody else. Now, he did play outside linebacker for the Texans. 113 of his snaps last year, according to PFF, came as a box linebacker. He picked up 63 total QB pressures and 41 run stops. He did miss six tackles, however, and committed 14 fouls on the defense. He was the seventh best edge defender total as far as grades go. His workload included 29 reps in pass coverage, 292 as a run defender, and 580 81 as a pass rusher and that run stop percentage was 14% meaning he made a play every seven snaps in the running game that mark was good for eighth best among all edge defenders in the NFL his pass rush rate not as good 10.8% and his PRP which is weighted data is just 6.2 which ranks 78th at the edge position in the entire National Football League and you just watch what this guy can do as far as I talked about the games and the stunts and twist all that fun stuff And he plays with such length and strength that he can really lock out and keep that offensive tackle at bay while he makes his decision on a two-way go or a two-gap type of a scheme where he keeps his hands in front of his eyes, what they want players to do in this scheme. That's why he's a perfect fit for the scheme. He's a Brian Flores type. He's a Chris Greer type. He's a Patrick Graham type. He's a Marion Hobby type. Everybody will love this guy. He's a disciplined rusher that can condense in tight spaces. The lateral agility is off the charts. He can win with power, with speed, and just finds a way to turn the corner, throttle down, and explode into a collision, get the football out. I can't say enough about how good this guy is on tape. He is a fantastic ad, and he is one of those cornerstone type of players who probably comes in here and is either your second or third best player on the roster, depending on how you view Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel. So make this thing happen if you can. 
It would be great. I wonder who it's going to be in the trade compensation. The Dolphins are saying no to Kenyon Drake. I'm not sure how I feel about that. They definitely have said no, as we've said time and time again, about Laramie Tunzel. Kenny Stills makes some sense, but Bill O'Brien has to want players in return because his future in Houston is not guaranteed beyond this year. So why would he trade for draft picks? So that's my thoughts on Clowney. Obviously, I'm all in on the idea to go pick him up and solidify both your cornerback, left tackle, and edge rusher position three of the four premier positions in the National Football League. And then, of course, we can come back next year and go after Tua Tungavailoa or Jordan Love, or maybe it is Josh Rosen. Either way, you're in a great position if you make this deal happen to knock out all four of those elite spots on your roster going forward. And we do have a game tonight, so we'll come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about Dolphins and Saints, and we'll get into your mailbag questions as well on this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, are you stuck at work right now? Been a long day, still stuck in the office? Go ahead and open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. And on Friday, we're going to have College Football Friday here on the podcast where I'll talk about some of the top quarterback prospects, some of the best matchups. And if you're interested in getting some skin in the game, you guys got to check out my bookie because it is a brand new season. You've got Antonio Brown with the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But the one thing that has not changed where I'm putting my money down on all the games, my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100 grand, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of huge cash prize pools. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why my bookie is always the right play where you bet, you win, they pay. And right now you can get up to $1,000 bonus on a first deposit bonus. You double up your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus. My bookie bet, win, get paid. one more episode of Hard Knocks remains. I got a chance to watch the new episode on Tuesday night recording here on a Wednesday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and I don't know if it's just me but this season hasn't had as much pop even though I do find John Gruden highly entertaining and his fascination with certain players and when he says his fame saying I love player X. I love this DOS. I love this Glennon. Whatever he says, he always finds a way to get me cracking up. So I greatly appreciate him for that. But he has definitely been the star of an otherwise pretty slow season that has revolved around the complete sociopath that is Antonio Brown. And I don't know what the deal with that guy is, but he seems completely out there in left field these days. 
and seems to have no sense for reality and how things work in the real world anymore. I also got a chance to watch Dave Chappelle's new stand-up special. A lot of controversy around that because of what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say these days in comedy, but I highly recommend it. Sticks and Stones on Netflix, a hilarious show from one of the all-time great comedians. But you guys are here to talk about preseason football. It's the fourth and final preseason game, and I didn't want to get into 10 things here because... Frankly, it was hard to find five, and you go back to last year and Adam Gaze's decision, speaking of sociopaths, the smartest guy in the room, as he'll tell you, allowed Dow Loggins to call plays in that fourth preseason game last year where you'll recall the Dolphins offense ran it up behind Brock Osweiler and Kalen Balage, and that should tell you about how unimportant this game was or is. If Adam Gaze is willing to relinquish his play calling duties, does he really care about it? Probably not, but... For Miami, it might be more important than it is for other teams, and that's where we start here with the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com because this entire year is supposed to be an evaluation, and these contests, regular season or exhibition or otherwise, give Miami a chance to put some tape on, some play on tape rather, and evaluate further. And really the first thing I want to say about this is that remember that 37 guys are going to lose their livelihood on Saturday at at 4 o'clock Eastern, August 31st, that's the cut-down date. They'll have some cuts before then, but that's when everybody has to get down to 53 guys. And just remember, there's a guy behind that face mask that you're rooting for him to lose his job. It's a cruel, cruel reality, and the ruthless nature of the NFL becomes really the focal point of the league over this weekend. But the Dolphins are already down to 84 guys. We know that McDonald, Mills, Walford, Allen, Spence, and Will Holden are all not going to be out there. But some other prominent players that are still here might get some run. And that's our first thing to expect from Dolphins Saints. You guys can find this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as the Jadavian Clowney piece, the film study there. The first thing we're looking at here are cameos from the starters. Now, Flores hinted that both Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick could play in this game that will certainly feature zero starters from the opposition in the Saints. And if the quarterback battle is to ensue, then surely we can assume the rest of the roster could be held to a similar standard. Now, you're not going to see Xavier Howard, Laramie Tunzel out there, but in a season of constant evaluation, we're probably going to see guys like Sam Egwavon and Christian Wilkins and other integral pieces to play at least a series or two because the evaluation is ongoing and they're not going to really rest on their laurels with guys that have had good camps. Number two, who made Akeem Spence and TJ McDonald expendable on this roster? By now, you should know that neither of these guys were scheme fits for this defense, but the puzzling aspect of all of this was that they were cut now, not back in February, because McDonald ran all camp long with the ones, and Akeem Spence was the third defensive tackle in the rotation. So why did they get cut exactly? Who were the young guys that pushed them off the roster? We know about Jonathan Ledbetter and his weekly ascension, but the more logical replacement since Ledbetter plays some end and some tackle would be either Joey Embu, who worked with Patrick Graham in Green Bay last year, or Jamius Pittman, who earned some playing time as a UDFA with the Dolphins last season. Those two guys could be battling for a roster spot, so keep an eye on number 65 and number 94, respectively. At safety, the only guy that makes sense is Maurice Smith. He's the only guy that can really fill that role that McDonald played with the style of play that he has that doesn't include Minka Fitzpatrick backing up Rashad Jones at strong safety. 
Point number three, extended reps on the offensive line. Again, Laramie Tunzel is going to be wrapped up in Seth Green's character from Bubble Boy in that massive hermetically sealed bubble. Just keep him out of all harm's way. But rookies Michael Dieter and Shaq Calhoun figure to both receive a full complement of work. The pair have led the Dolphins in preseason snaps so far, and I imagine that evaluation is ongoing. Now, Daniel Kilgore and Jesse Davis will almost certainly join Tunzel on the sidelines, but I do expect veteran Chris Reed to not receive the sunflower seed treatment. He should be out there possibly earning the fifth and final starting job on the offensive line. I still do think that he belongs in there over Shaq Calhoun. We'll see if that happens. And finally, is Isaiah Prince going to catch a red shirt this season on the practice squad, or will he earn that coveted 53-man roster paycheck while garnering the inactive distinction during his rookie season? Because you're probably going to keep eight, maybe nine guys, but you only dress seven on game days. Prince could be that eighth and final guy that you don't dress and red shirt him that way. But for his own personal bank account, staying on the roster would be huge for him. Will he earn that on Thursday or will he not? Number four, secondary depth battle commences. What's going to happen beyond the four that are already here, in my opinion? Howard, Fitzpatrick, Rowe, and Jamal Wiltz. Chris Lamont is the next in line, in my opinion. Cornell Armstrong, both of those guys have ran with the first team gunners on punt team and special teams alike. They are the front runners right now, but a surge from Torrey McTire, Nick Needham, or Jalen Davis could make a tougher decision at the cornerback spot. And number five, stacking them up, Mikey G. Mike Kosicki has had a really good preseason. He had a really good game last week with three grabs. 58 yards, two of those coming against man coverage where Gasicki won the route decisively and picked up chunk plays and moved the sticks. And the light appears to be coming on a bit here for the second year tight end, carving out a role in this Chad O'Shea passing game and back-to-back impressive showings. If he even plays is the next step to solidifying that role. I think this guy's going to earn a lot of opportunities this season where he's the favored matchup in the pass concept in the route combination. His emergence would go a long way towards Miami beefing up a wanting passing game, particularly next year and two years down the road. So that's all I have for you guys on this game. Check out the article on LockedOnDolphins.com. On tomorrow's show, we are going to recap the game the same way we have the first three games of preseason, so do not fret. We'll have a post-game podcast and article, but I'm going to add to that, of course, with College Football Friday, which I cannot wait to do, but I also have a little... What's the word I'm looking for here? I have a plan to decipher some guys the Dolphins might go after on the waiver wire when cuts happen on Saturday. I'll share that with you guys on tomorrow's podcast. But next here, after our last break, we're going to get back into your questions on the Twitter mailbag. That next here, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. If you're missing the softball updates every single week, it's because we haven't played a lot of ball lately because we are in the midst of the playoffs. And this has been such a weird season, a four month long season. I think we've played like 18 games or 16 games or something like 15 and three on the season, just crushing teams. But there's one team we can't beat. And next week is the final hurrah of the entire season. And all three of those losses have come to the exact same team, which happened last week in the semifinals of the winner's bracket of this basketball-like bracket for the playoffs. And next week, if we win three consecutive games, we're the champions. If we lose any of them, we're done. So very likely, once again, to become the Buffalo Bills for the fourth straight year, losing my fourth straight softball title. 
I want to have some faith, but the bottom of that lineup, man, we are struggling down there to get guys on base for your boy at the top of the order and the meat of our order at two, three, four, five, and the like. But I digress. Let's go ahead and jump back into the Twitter mailbag here. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond, and I give you a shout out on the podcast as well as answer your question. This one comes in from Clinton Perrette. He's at Clint Perrette on Twitter. You are the top follow on Miami Dolphins Twitter. Thank you. Why do you not show up in the Bleacher Report Dolphins Twitter feed like local Dolphins guys? I'll edit that word for you. Uh, I have seen myself on those Bleacher Report feeds at times. Some guys will tag me in some articles and they won't let me know about it, but someone else will see it and shoot it my way. That's all I really care about when it comes to this stuff. And you guys have probably seen me get into some some scuffles on Twitter. Just cite my work, man. Like if you're going to use it, just cite it. You see my work. I'm citing people left and right, whether it's Chris Kaufman, Pro Football Focus, or one of the beat writers. Cite people that you're taking their work from. That's all I ask. That's all I care about. It goes a long way because if you're going to get information from somebody, you should tell the person where that source came from. And most places do that. Some do not. It bothers me a lot, as you guys can tell. Next question here from JD Finsfan. He's at JD Finsfan on Twitter. Easy enough. Clowny for stills and a second. Do you pull the trigger on that trade? I think that's a little bit rich. If it's the Saints second round pick, I'm far more inclined to do that because that pick will probably be in the 60s or at very worst, the high 50s. If you trade your own organic second round pick, there's a good chance that's pick 33 or maybe like 36th at worst. So don't get rid of that one. I still think the Dolphins should go for stills and a third or fourth round draft pick because right now, We've got the leverage as far as dealing with the Texans. Clowney has the ultimate leverage, but really the Texans have the least amount of leverage in all of this stuff. So don't cave and go too high if you can. That second round Saints pick, I get it. But again, the Saints are going to, or the Texans rather, are going to want players because they have to win right now. Next question from Life Fighter. He's at Branderson7474. What adversity have you overcome that you are more, most proud of? You know, I've. I haven't had the cushiest life, but I also haven't had it that tough. I mean, I am a straight white male, which is the easiest person to be in America these days and your entire life. But I will say when my mom passed away four years ago, this coming November, and we still really don't know what happened. I've told the story on the podcast before. She was very, very ill, very much uh, bipolar and manic depressive. And she once sometimes get off her meds and it would cause problems. And one time it eventually cost her her life. And that was really tough for me to deal with because I had a job at the time and I, I got a sabbatical for that. And I just kind of had a tough time responding. But luckily I met my wife like right before that happened. And she was just the absolute rock in my life. So that was really tricky and challenging. And for about a couple of years, I had a hard time really wanting to get myself going back again. And also kind of fearing the fact that, you know, those genetics can be, they can be genetic and you might have to deal with something like that later in your life. Luckily I have not yet, but just thinking about that, missing my mom, she was the best person I know. So I missed the hell out of her. So I would say her death was definitely the biggest adversity I had. Next question from Mr. Stubborn. He's at Abduarte underscore one. Are you concerned that Michael Dieter isn't as good as he was projected to be in the draft or are these typical rookie struggles for an interior offensive lineman when they get to the NFL? You kind of nailed it there at the end, uh, Mr. Stubborn, that even first round rookie linemen tend to have a difficult time adapting to the game. There's just so much more power and athleticism and general talent on the defensive line. And that's true of every position, but it really holds true in the offensive line where you do have some of the same techniques and schemes and same concepts as far as the offensive blocking scheme. 
but you're dealing with, you know, the elite level guys and they can really put a whooping on you physically and test your conditioning. And Dieter, yeah, he's struggling pretty big time, but so are guys like Chris Lindstrom, a first round pick in Atlanta. So it's not uncommon for them to struggle. I wouldn't worry about it yet. This is probably going to be a development year for him. Like we want with Josh Rosen for 16 games. I think definitely give Dieter 16 games because he needs to, we need to find out going into 2019 or 2020 rather, if he's the answer at left guard or center or where he's going to be. Next question here comes from a dude who I'm going to butcher your name. We'll just call him Hans Vondermark. We're going to call you Hans. It's at ultimate underscore HHV. He asks, what type of production would Parker and Drake need to contribute to get long-term extensions? Drake this year, Parker over the next two. I've kind of hinted at this and I still can't talk about it extensively, but there's just more with Kenyon Drake than you guys can really know or realize. And so I do wonder if he is up for a second contract with the Dolphins. The good news and the kind of puzzling and and refuting of my statement there is that the Dolphins reportedly don't want to trade Drake to the Texans this year. So maybe they do want to have him for a long-term role. I would say staying healthy and keeping himself motivated in the playbook would be the best way to get his contract because he's uber talented, never lacked in that area, just has to maintain that focus. Devontae Parker, I... I think it's over for him, and it's because he had that injury this this camp, and I was pimping him up in the early portions of camp as an absolute stud, and he did look that way, but to take another injury for a guy who just continues to have these nicks and bruises, I mean, I'm not one to call a football player soft. I don't think he's that, but at a certain point, he's just unreliable, and you can't trust him, so I don't think that he has a chance to earn that. If he gets 1,000 yards, then maybe we'll talk, and that has to come with staying healthy for 16, 15 games as well. Next question from Morgan Lewis. He's at Mo underscore Lou 20. Outside of quarterback, who are your 2020 prospects you'd like with our first five picks? So the first five rounds, that's tri- tricky to talk about. I'll talk about who I would go after in the first round there because that's really the only guys I know about right now with a strong, you know, a really strong conviction as far as them going that high in the draft. AJ Epinesa from Iowa is basically what we would get in Jadavian Clowney as far as the versatility and the never leaving the field and an edge rusher and run defender. He is elite across all metrics. Chase Young's in that same category from Ohio State, also an edge guy. I love Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Drafting him in the top five is probably a little bit too high where the Dolphins figure to pick in that first round, but his versatility and what he can do in the run game and the passing game and the speed and the blitzing and the coverage, everything he offers is elite like AJ Epinesa and pairing him with Minka Fitzpatrick back there. Oh boy, you're cooking in that secondary if you do that. I like C.D. Lamb and LaVisca Chenault, the receivers out of Oklahoma and Colorado. So those guys are some names to keep an eye on. There's some offensive linemen, Andrew Thomas. He's a good one to look at there as well. And the Iowa kid, I think it is, Troy Wires or something like that. I have to go back and look at the names. But There's plenty of options. But all that said, I do believe it's going to be a quarterback in that top five. I would be very shocked if that doesn't happen. Okay, here's a really good one to end on from John Langjun. He's at John Langjun on Twitter, and I know I butchered that pronunciation as well. What are your top three favorite moments from those 500 episodes you did? And number one is definitely the Miami Miracle game. If you guys recall the energy I had on that podcast, it was through the roof for 30 full minutes, and the stories of... You know, talking to the players in the locker room, talking about my vantage point, talking about he's going to effing score from the press box when I lost my damn mind up there. 
That was easily number one. I would say number two was after the Bills game because it was my first experience covering the team from the press box and having that locker room access, talking to the players and coaches after the game. That too was a lot of fun. And number three would just be the training camp experience overall. Probably the scrimmage recap because that was my most in-depth report from that training camp portion of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. So Anytime I got a chance to be around the team, those were my favorite moments. And of course, winning games. The Sunday night recap, like after the Raiders win last year, that was a ton of fun. Anytime the team wins, that helps. And also when I'm there in person to cover the team. So great questions, guys. I appreciate that. I can't get to the rest of them. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to recap the game as well as the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll have College Football Friday, and I have that method for figuring out which player cuts the Dolphins will be after on Saturday. The deadline to cut down to 53 is 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, August 31st. I'll talk about that on the show tomorrow as well. But as for today's episode, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams wherever you get your podcast from follow me on twitter it's at wingfield nfl the show is at locked on fins keep up to date on the daily dolphins blog over at lockedondolphins.com you guys have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you again tomorrow for a game recap edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football fins up don't get me started love i've had too much stress